Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the 30th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope and charity and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. From Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, together with their presiding elders and deacons, we wish you the grace and peace of God our Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God whenever I think of you, and every time I pray for all of you, I pray with joy, remembering how you have helped to spread the good news from the day you first heard it right up to the present. I am quite certain that the one who began this good work in you will see that it is finished when the day of Christ Jesus comes. It is only natural that I should feel like this towards you all, since you have shared the privileges which have been mine both my chains and my work defending and establishing the gospel. You have a permanent place in my heart, and God knows how much I miss you all, loving you as Christ Jesus loves you. My prayer is that your love for each other may increase more and more, and never stop improving your knowledge and deepening your perception, so that you can always recognise what is best. This will help you to become pure and blameless and prepare you for the day of Christ, when you will reach the perfect goodness which Jesus Christ produces in us for the glory and praise of God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How great are the works of the Lord. How great are the works of the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart in the meeting of the just in their assembly. Great are the works of the Lord to be pondered by all who love them. How great are the works of the Lord! Majestic and glorious his work, his justice stands firm forever. He makes us remember his wonders. The Lord is compassion and love. How great are the works of the Lord! He gives food to those who fear him, keeps his covenant ever in mind. 
He has shown his might to his people by giving them the lands of the nations. How great are the works of the Lord! Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, on a Sabbath day, Jesus had gone for a meal to the house of one of the leading Pharisees, and they watched him closely. There in front of him was a man with dropsy, and Jesus addressed the lawyers and Pharisees. Is it against the law, he asked, to cure a man on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So he took the man and cured him and sent him away. Then he said to them, Which of you here, if his son falls into a well, or his ox, will not pull him out on a Sabbath day without hesitation? And to this they could find no answer. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I think it can be hard to know what to make of the fact that the Pharisees watch Jesus so closely. We hear this strange little detail. Okay, so Jesus gets invited over to the house of the Pharisees uh, in order to spend the Passover. All eyes seem to be on him. The Pharisees are very interested to see what he does and how he does it. I don't know, maybe they've heard about Jesus healing on the Sabbath, and and maybe this is actually a trap. I mean, you kind of ask the question, all right, well, if you've been invited to a private home, what's this bloke with dropsy doing there? You know, has he been planted? Is this a little bit of a setup? Does this guy just walk into someone else's house because this is his opportunity to see Jesus? Maybe, I I don't know. We're not told. But it certainly makes for an interesting scenario. Now, first off, we need to be curious enough to look up what dropsy is. And it's, a, it's an old-fashioned term that describes edema. And edema is quite unpleasant. Um, you know, it's a build-up of fluid in your tissues. So you can imagine um, this man's legs, you know, being really swollen, you know, swollen to the point of making it difficult for him to walk and quite painful and very unpleasant. Well, anyway, this man makes his way in front of Jesus He presents himself, which perhaps we could intuit is, you know, a somewhat uncomfortable experience, you know, with these swollen limbs to to be standing on your feet. Um, It's probably not so easy. But then Jesus asks this question to the Pharisees, having this man in front of him in pain and, and, and certainly struggling with, you know, whatever the underlying cause of the edema is. And he then asks the question, right, is it against the law? Can you cure a man on the Sabbath or not? Now, good on the Pharisees, because where they may have set a bit of a trap for Jesus. Jesus has now set a bit of a trap for them, and they know it. He asks them this kind of rhetorical question. Which of you here, if his son falls into a well or his ox, will not pull him out on the Sabbath day without hesitation? Well, your son, obviously, is the one who is your heir. He's the one who receives everything once you die. He's the one who carries your name. He's the one who's, you know, close to your heart. Uh, and then this question about your ox. <laughs> it's an odd one. Um, but your ox, of course, is the one who supports your livelihood. He's the one who helps you plough. He's the one who helps you harvest. The ox is the one who, you know, basically feeds you. 
So Jesus points to, you know, one of the most intimate relationships between father and son, uh, and then also uh, one of the most intimate relationships between a man and his own life. Like I, th- I think that's kind of what the ox is mostly pointing towards, the, the guarantee of your own livelihood. So what does Jesus draw upon? He basically says, look, are you guys thinking about the Sabbath when your son falls into a well or, you know, when your own livelihood is threatened? Are you wondering whether the act of saving your ox or your son uh, is breaking the law on the Sabbath? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Their silence is, is, is pretty damning because it's such a no-brainer, especially if your son falls in a well, right? Especially in that circumstance, time is of the essence. You don't just sort of like call down the well and go, oh, son, um, seems to be the Sabbath today. Uh, hang on till tomorrow. I'll go get a rope then. No, you spring into action. Of course you spring into action. What is it that Jesus is drawing upon? Why does this become such a no-brainer? Well, not just because of the urgency, but because it's your son. So why now are you quibbling about the Sabbath when this man with dropsy is standing before you? Well, the fact is, is that I don't really care so much about this guy. He's not my son. He's not even my ox. And so, you know, the greater distance that this guy has from me uh, affords me the opportunity to ask the question about whether or not the law of the Sabbath isn't actually more important than this guy. My son stuck down a well? Yeah, of course, you know, no question about that. But this guy? Eh, who knows? Maybe. I mean, it's not like he's stuck down a well. I mean, he could wait till tomorrow, couldn't he? Do you care so little about this person that when the opportunity of Jesus' healing comes by, that you start quibbling about the law. You start looking for excuses. I don't think it's so much about Jesus saying, hey, look, you know, these laws aren't important. I think Jesus is asking us, what excuses are you putting forward not to help someone? The excuses fall away when it's someone that you love, when it's someone who's close to you becomes a bit of a no-brainer. But what about everyone else? When the opportunity presents itself to us to be of service to another, what are the reasons that we put forward, and are they actually good reasons or not? So I suppose here's the test then. If it was your son, what would you do? If it was your ox, what would you do? Does this remain just a question about, well, you know, do you do a little kindness for someone or, or does it suddenly spring us into action? Does it suddenly give us a greater sense of urgency knowing the closeness of the one who needs our help? I think that suddenly puts the excuses that we present into real perspective. How would I love someone who I already love, for whom I already feel affection, my son, for example? Well, isn't that the same kind of love with which I should approach another? Now, I think this example isn't sort of saying, well, if this guy with dropsy or your son were there and you had to choose which one, that you won't be allowed to choose or that you had to be indifferent between the two. No, of course you go to the assistance of your son because of that intimate relationship, because of that prior bond and that obligation that you have toward one another. It's not like Jesus is saying these relationships don't matter or that they don't count. But 
I think it does serve as a bit of a tool here to examine our excuses. I'm much more willing to make excuses or to offer reasons why I shouldn't help those who are further away from me. Because if the person requiring help was actually closer to me, I might find that those excuses, those reasons, just don't stack up. So Jesus obviously criticises the Pharisees for that point. But then he goes and heals the man with dropsy. Why? Because when Jesus sees the one who is in need, he sees the one who he loves. And this is definitely something that we mustn't overlook, that when we present ourselves to the Lord as the ones who stand in need of healing, that he looks at us like a father to his son, like a father towards his own life. He doesn't look upon us with indifference, and he's not searching for excuses not to help. So I reckon after this short little gospel, two important things. One, what are our excuses for not helping those around us? And are they good reasons? Or do they fall when we consider whether or not they're good excuses not to help the ones who we love the most? And secondly, that we present ourselves before Jesus with great confidence. And that like the Pharisees, we keep our eyes on him, that we observe him closely and see his great love for us. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide. 
so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.